Coming up, Dustin West and Holly Ford take us on a tour of Overlooked Animal Kingdom. You're going to learn lots of things you never knew about that park. Coming up next. This is the Diz Unplugged, episode 590, for the week of March 26th, 2013. The Diz Unplugged is brought to you by DreamsUnlimitedTravel.com, experts in helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. One great reason to use Dreams Unlimited is because your husband is fat, your kids won't stop screaming, and your job sucks. You have your hands full. Planning a vacation in Disney World isn't always easy. So let one of our amazing agents, who also have fat husbands and screaming kids, but a wonderful boss, plan it for you. They'll help you decide where to stay, where to eat, what to avoid, and all for no extra charge. That's right, you'll pay Dreams Unlimited the same price you'd pay Disney, except Dreams will give you a whole lot more help in planning your vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Coming to you live from the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by my good friends, John Magi. Kevin Close, Holly Ford, and Dustin West, who has been freed from the <laughs> producer's nook. Yeah. Uh, producing this episode is uh, the lovely and talented Gregory Williams and uh, the lovely and talented Jonathan Thompson. There he is. Back in the production nook. It looks so much roomier back there it for is. you guys right now. It's our version of Siegfried and Roy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I had given Dustin the idea to do this segment a few months back when he took me through Animal Kingdom. Dustin used to work in, in Animal Kingdom. Right. And I'll be honest with you, my least favorite park at Disney. I Very little interest. It's hot. There's no shade. And there's not an awful lot there that I enjoy doing. So when he said he wanted to go to Animal Kingdom, we were doing stuff for the site. And we were shooting some videos. I'm like, oh, all right, fine. As we're walking through, though, he's pointing out all this stuff, all these details and, you know, the backstory that the Imagineers put into creating these different areas. And I'm like, oh, this is probably the most interesting Animal Kingdom's ever been to me. <laughs> and I said, you really need to do this as a segment. And then when we uh, put the call out a few months back for some special correspondence from listeners to be special correspondents to the show... Uh, Holly was uh, one of the folks who responded, and it turns out Holly used to work at Animal Kingdom as well, in a slightly uh, more important job, I would say, than. Uh, oh, well, you, <laughs> different. It's, it's different. different. Very different. Okay, let's say let's say that. I mean, uh, you, come on. Yeah. No. <laughs> what did Holly uh, do that was so important? Well, Holly, why don't you talk a little bit about your background so people get to know you a little bit and. What you did at Animal Kingdom? Sure. I actually had two internships in Animal Kingdom itself. I had merchandise um, in the college program, and then after I graduated with my degree in zoology, I actually um, got a uh, intern, uh, like a professional internship at the Wildlife Tracking Center, um, which is in Conservation Station. So I worked in the research lab there. So we did a lot of um, behavioral and endocrine research, so hormone levels of diff- different animals. Wow. So you yeah. were, but you were also tracking. These because all these all these animals are barcoded, aren't they? <laughs> like I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I can't speak to that. But we collected the animal samples and then uh, monitored pregnancies and, okay. and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 
and Dustin, when you worked at Animal Kingdom, I drove a train. Okay. <laughs> I, Wait, I drove a do train. Do we get to vote on who was more important? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I worked as an operations cast member full time. I, I worked at um, I worked at the trains that take you out to Rafiki's Planet Watch. I also. Uh, Operated uh, Expedition Everest and Cali River Rapids. So I spent a good year over there at Animal Kingdom and, and learned a lot through some of their special training programs that they have for the uh, for the cast members. They they give you a little backstory on some of the theming and, and and whatnot throughout Africa, Discovery Island, Asia, all that. And so that's kind of what I'm going to incorporate today in this segment is some of the stuff I learned as a cast member and uh, talk about that. And this is going to be uh, part one of two. As as Dustin was going through the segment for me the other night, um, there's so much information here. There's so much stuff that I said to him, trying to go through this in in one segment is crazy. So uh, we're going to make this a two-parter. Make Holly come back. Sounds good. (laughs) So I'll go ahead and turn it over to you. Yeah, um, well, I wanted to call this Overlooked Animal Kingdom because we're incorporating not only some theming uh, things that you might not notice as you're walking through Animal Kingdom, but we're also talking about the animals in general and and, and some of the uh, care that is provided for the animals by the, the animal care uh, cast members so and these are the kind of the things that are overlooked. I feel like most people when they go into Animal Kingdom, they just rush into Expedition Everest or the Safari, and there's so much that gets overlooked at, uh, at Animal Kingdom. So that's why I wanted to... That's the theme of this segment. Um, like I said, I used to work at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Uh, spent a good amount of time there. So did, uh, so did Holly. I think the first thing, uh, you have some, just some general information about the uh, animal care that you want to talk about. Yeah, I guess um, one of the first things that you might notice as you're entering the park is that right next to the uh, American flag is the flag for the American Zoo and Aquarium Association, or the AZA. So um, what that basically means is that uh, they have to go through a rigorous accreditation process every five years, um, and only uh, less than 10% of the um, animal exhibits in that are registered in the United States have that accreditation. So mm. you would expect Disney to, to do that and to be up there, but you know, they actually do take, you know, great care um, of the animals and um, and have to go through they look at um, you know behind the scenes stuff, uh, animal care and welfare, what they, you know, feed the animals and also a level of education and conservation that the park has to uh, maintain to uh, to keep that status. Right. And and, and when Animal Kingdom first opened, one of their big things was that it's not a zoo. That was like their Right, not a zoo. Tagline. Yeah, it was and, their right. tagline. And, and as the story goes, you know, uh, when they were first building the park, Joe Rohde and some of the other Imagineers knew that they wanted to be accredited by the AZA, but there were some theming things that they did uh, that didn't quite fit into the, the AZA's uh, qualifications. Namely, they didn't have signs uh, posted outside the different animal exhibits. So like if you were to go to the, the macaws or the kangaroos, uh, you, you would just look at them and say, well, what animal is this? And now the AZA wants you, to, obviously, to have the information posted about the animal. Their, their uh, answer to this was, at first, to have cast members posted at every single animal exhibit. And uh, I don't think that lasted very long. Yeah, they still do that at quite a few of the yeah. of the big ones, you know, the gorillas, the tigers, you know, things like that. But. Right. And that's more just to dish out extra information. But you're still going to find now, you're going to find the signs posted uh, outside of the exhibits. But that was just one of those things. They, they thought it might break theming if they had the signs, that Disney theming. But they had to do it because of the AZA. Um, 
Uh, did you have anything else just before we go into the Oasis? No, let's go. Okay, so as we go into the Oasis, that's the that's the main entrance for the park. Uh, I do have some things I want to talk about uh, theming-wise there. Um, as you first go into the Oasis, it's very different from the entrances to the other three theme parks at, uh, at Disney World. You know, you go into the Magic Kingdom, you go into Hollywood Studios or Epcot, you walk through the gate and boom, there's the castle, there's the, the Spaceship Earth or, or the, the Chinese or the hat uh, that's there. Oasis is designed to kind of make you feel lost as soon as you go in. The Imagineers wanted to create Animal Kingdom as sort of an adventure that you immediately get lost and you don't know which way to go. That's why you're going to see uh, some waterfalls, you're going to see some bridges, caves. There's like a million different options that you can take uh, in the Oasis. I I think most people just stick to the right and go straight to Discovery Island. But uh, if you wanted to, you could spend a lot of time uh, in the Oasis. Another thing the Imagineers wanted to do when they first created Animal Kingdom is they didn't want any park maps like the other ones. But I think the Disney executives uh, decided, yeah, we kind of need park maps. The idea, again... They wanted it to be like an adventure. They wanted it to be an adventure. They wanted you to go based on where the path took you. They, they wanted you to just figure out your own experience um, and, and not be stuck to a map. Can not, you imagine? And yeah. not know what you're looking at. Well, right. no. <laughs> <laughs> we, went in, we were in the Oasis recently, yeah. and there was this big ball of fur, and there was a cast member standing there. And being me, I said to the lady, could you poke it with a stick so it would get up? <laughs> and she kind of rolled her eyes and turned to look to t- at somebody else, but it, I can't imagine them not telling you what it is. I mean, we would have all stood there and looked at this big ball of sleeping fur and not had, an, had a clue as to what it was. Yeah. It is was an anteater. That's not a screen. I, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, <laughs> I think the, the, the main theme of the Oasis is that it's that original feeling the Imagineers wanted you to have is we're, we're getting lost, we're going on an adventure. And uh, most people... Again, and I'm going to say this sentence a lot today. Most people just blow right past it. And they don't see it. And there are a bunch of uh, animal exhibits in the Oasis. And uh, we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, if you actually take the time to, you know, stop and, and look at the animals instead of rushing right off to your first attraction. Um, one of my favorites is as you go to the right, um, as you're breezing right past, you might want to t- take a look at the very right-hand side is the Babarusa. Um, it's it looks like a pig, but um, there's a right now. I think there's a male and a female, um, yeah. and the male um, is really really cool looking. You got to check them out. Um, you, they usually actually have somebody standing there with a skull, and you can see how the top incisors grow right through the roof of its mouth and curl around. So be sure to check that out. It's actually it doesn't dig in the in the dirt like a typical pig would, like root right. around. Um, but those are used uh, solely for fighting, and um, you might see the giant anteater if you go to the left. It's on the very left-hand side. Those are usually sleeping, I must admit. Um, if you, and if, the cast member yeah. will not poke them with a stick. Yeah, I, I, I don't see them moving around very much. But, um, but you'll also see that the birds, that they have uh, beautiful macaws there. Um, and uh, the rhinoceros iguana is also one of my favorites. It's, kind I, of it's a, a funny you're saying these things because when I go there, all I see are the birds. Yeah. Right. 
So they're big and they're colorful, but you got to look right. down and in the bushes. So why doesn't Disney have someone saying, "Hey guys, come this way. I've got something really cool for you to see." It de- it depends on their staffing. Sometimes they will. Sometimes, sometimes they do. They yeah, sometimes they do. Never been there where someone's sort of guided me there. No, it's, it's typically been... in the mornings. I don't know if you're a morning person, yeah, but yeah, if you, not good. okay, well, no, we're not. <laughs> five 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 thirty. They don't do that. And, no. and that goes for Animal <laughs> Kingdom in general. I mean, most of the animals you're going to find are more active in the morning. Uh, that's just how it is. But um, I think the, the animals uh, at Oasis, correct me if I'm wrong, they're, they're kind of like that and Discovery Island are kind of the animals that don't really fit in yeah, anywhere they, else. They, they're mm-hmm. from a different area of the world than the themed lands in uh, Animal Kingdom. So these are this is kind of like a mishmash of different types of animals. Right. And they're also the smaller animals that don't need a very large habitat, that, yeah. like in the back of the park. So. Mm. What do about, those animals stay there all the time, or do they go elsewhere at night? Um, a lot of them do have backstage habitats. I know the birds, p- particular, are taken out um, every day and, and brought back in, like the macaws. Taken out like shot. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I told you would happen. Yeah, I know, I know. Oh. Uh, no, and they actually won't be taken out if the weather's too cold. So if it's too cold, they actually won't uh, take take some of the animals out. Okay. So. Very cool. Is there are there any other animals? There in the Oasis? Uh, not that I okay. was going to talk about. Okay, cool. So, uh, as you go into Discovery Island, you're going to cross over a bridge, and you'll find that this is this is part of the theming throughout Disney's Animal Kingdom. Discovery Island is indeed an island. I mean, I'm sure it's a man-made river that goes around it, but there, to get to each land, you have to cross over a bridge. Now, there's a there's an interesting theming behind Discovery Island that I don't think most people know. In fact, I, I'm not even sure that... If you are a regular guest, there's any clue to any of this, but I've been told some of this information. Um, Discovery Island kind of has uh, a theming based on some sort of a, a great storm that happened in ancient times. It's kind of a mix between uh, the great flood in the Bible and the Garden of Eden uh, is, is kind of the theming for it. And, and first of all, you can see in, in some of the shops, some of the... Uh, like the exterior of the shop there the the theming of discovery island is all types of different island cultures it's very caribbean looking yeah so you do have colors, some yeah. yeah you have some caribbean influence but there's also african australian south pacific and different asian island nations that theming influence comes into the architecture in discovery island and the reason for that is that uh as the story goes long time ago there was a, a, a great storm or a great flood and, and all the people from all corners of the world made their way onto Discovery Island bringing all these different types of animals with them. Now you might think that the theming is so mishmashed in Discovery Island because that's where the shops are and you got to see all the different animals. Maybe that's what it really is but there is a story behind it. They had to bring these uh, these animals together. That is pretty well hidden. I yeah. had no idea, did you? No. And even when you go into the shops, you can see a picture there. There's like, there's otters in one, and then there's camels in the exact same shop. Uh, and then around the border of all the stores are, are, are these panels that tell the story of this great storm. This great storm flooded the world, and everyone came into Discovery Island when the, uh, the flood waters receded. People took their animals back to those lands from which they came, but there was this this culture left on discovery island of 
all these nations put together. And you'll see uh, there's signs posted throughout Discovery Island saying Islanders only. That's their cast member sign. The, they, they theme the uh, cast members around Islanders, and they're, they've been there for years. And these are the Islanders uh, that have, have settled there since the Great Storm. They're also the Islanders that have carved all the animals into the Tree of Life. Uh, and you can, you can see some of that uh, in a little bit here. Um, did you know it used to be called Safari Village? It did used to be called okay. Safari Village. And I, but all the theming was there. I know, yeah. So I don't know how they got away with that. Um, but Discovery Island. I like the name a lot better, yeah. When, when I worked in merchandise there, that was yeah. actually the shop that, that you showed, the um, Island Mercantile, right in right. front of the tree, uh, where I worked. We used to have to be called Villagers because it was Safari Village. Right. And, but guests would come up asking where the safari was. I think the guy really confused that it was called Safari Village where's Safari, but it, that's in Africa. So I, right. I really like the name change. Yeah, yeah, I think, and it fits this, I don't know if they came up with that story <laughs> after they changed the name or, or what, but I, I really like that story. I like that it's an island and uh, it's, it's a multicultural place. It's, it's really cool. Um, you also notice in, in some of the shops as you, oh, I don't want to get there yet. Um, there's, there's areas in Tree of Life, uh, the, the Tree of Life garden walkabout, where you can see a lot of different animals. There's also some, also some really great photo opportunities. And I don't think people really notice this area of the Tree of Life garden. People just walk right past it. Again, they, they blow right past it. They're going to the safari. They're going to Expedition Everest. Um, but why don't we talk about some of the animals that are on the Tree of Life Garden Trail? Sure. Right as you approach the tree, the very first thing you're going to see is a, um, I think it's actually right in that picture there, um, that little building um, is an island, and that houses yeah. the cotton top tamarins. Right. And these guys are, are super cute. Um, they're like a pound and a half to two pound monkeys. That's all the bigger that they get, just very, very tiny. Um, and they only live in Colombia, South America. And these are actually um, some of the monkeys that I studied in the lab. And oh, they yeah, actually studied them down in uh, Colombia. So, unfortunately, they're overpopulated in zoos, but they're endangered uh, in the wild and due to habitat really? loss. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They used to be over at Rafiki's Planet Watch, but I think they're working on the exhibit right now. So they're they're at Discovery Island right now. I don't know what's usually in that exhibit. They, are they? I, yeah. There there were actually two groups. There were uh, some. Mm-hmm, there were some in the back, and then there was this group in the front. So. Okay. What keeps them from getting away? Uh, they just can't jump that far. They, it's very carefully designed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A lot of the barriers in mm-hmm. Animal Kingdom are natural barriers, exactly. so you're not seeing like fences and. Especially with some of the primate um, primate exhibits, you'll find that they often have a moat around them. As long as the distance of the moat, they can't jump over it. They they can't swim. So, and and they're like, afraid of. Yeah, them. like these guys always stay in the tree. If you ever see them down, it, it probably means they're injured or something like yeah. that. So they'll they'll never come down. To the ground, and uh, there's there's another great area. Uh, just as you walk past the Tree of Life on the left, there's uh, you go down under this rock, and there's this pool uh, where you can see some fish and some of the otters. Yeah, these are the Asian small clawed otters. Um, they're actually the least aquatic of the otter species, so you're probably going to see them on that island in there. Yeah, um, if you see them at all, it's a family group, so you might see um, the the mom and the dad and the young pups in there. Yeah, I, whenever I go over there, I usually see them sitting on the ground. They're not yeah. swimming, <laughs> which is unfortunate, but I. I just I love I love this garden walk. They're working on it right now because there was an incident with one of the branches falling off of the Tree of Life. They've got the uh, the mesh netting is being yeah. built, so you can't. As of right now, you can't kind of explore the Tree of Life 
uh, garden trail as much as you could. But there are some some more exhibits that are open right now. The kangaroos are, are still out there. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk the about gla- those. Yeah, the Galapagos tortoise is right. all out there as well on the backside <coughs> of the tree. Yeah. So I have a question about the tortoises. There used to be a Discovery Island out behind the Contemporary, and there were tortoises on that. Are these the tortoises from uh, that Discovery Island? Uh, I would say that there's a good chance. I don't know that for sure. I know that the animals off that island were relocated, um, a lot of them to Animal Kingdom. Yeah, so. and I'm not sure. Some of them may have gone to the Living Seas as well, from what I understand, but I, I, I can't confirm that. These are just these were big old land tortoises. Oh, okay. I don't think these were aquatic animals. Yeah, okay. they're huge. Yeah. Very cool, very cool. Um, so I want to move over to Africa. I, you know, I think we've got the feel of Discovery Island. It's, it's that multicultural island nation. As you cross another bridge over to Africa, you're going to see, you, know, you see that photo there. Um, we're still in the Discovery Island theming. And, and most of the shops in Discovery Island, the ones over near the bridge uh, near Africa, the animals inside those shops are slightly more African. It's just a small bit of theming that I find interesting. So you're going to find some African animals on that side. And if you go toward Dinoland or Asia, the animals over there are like tigers and snakes and more Asian-themed animals. Uh, but we go across the bridge uh, to the port of Harambe. Um, there's three different kind of ecosystems in Harambe Village. Um, so it's kind of a cross-section of Africa and the, and the uh, different regions of Africa. Uh, the first one that you come across is a port town. It's a, uh, you know, a, a Cape town in Africa. It's the, the port of Harambe. Uh, the, the second ecosystem would be the savanna grasslands as part of the Kilimanjaro safaris and the Harambe Wildlife Reserve. And the other one, of course, is the jungle at Pangani uh, Forest Exploration Trail. So... Uh, as you go further along in the village, you get deeper into the jungles of Africa, basically, which I, I always thought was interesting. Um, another thing that I don't think people really notice, and again, it's not really described in, to anybody that just visits the park, you really have to look for it, is that uh, Harambe used to be a fort. And if we go back to that other picture, you can actually see these white bricks on the, the floor. Uh, and that's the, the old gate those are the, the the floor bricks of what used to be a gigantic fortress wall, and that's the woman in the red there is walking right through where the gate used to be. And I just I just want to interrupt briefly and say for those who are listening and not watching the show, uh, all of these photos are going up in a gallery, uh, desunplugged.com. You'll find a link to that so you can follow through some of these pictures that Dustin's showing right, as he's doing this. Right, yeah. And uh, like I said, it used to be a fortress, uh, a European colony. Uh, There was a European fortress that was built. And now since the uh, Europeans are no longer uh, holding Harambe, they've knocked down some of the walls. They've made it more open. It's more of a marketplace village feel. And uh, as you you go through there, you'll see some of those uh, bricks on the floor where it used to be. Um, the, The fort has since been turned into a hotel. Um, and that's the building where uh, Tusker House is. So it, it's a hotel, a restaurant, and a marketplace. You can see that you know it, it's an active hotel. People hang out on the rooftops. Uh, people are hanging their laundry on the on the roof of the hotel. Uh, people are clanking pots and pans, and you can hear kitchen noises. And and this was something he pointed out yeah. to me that you know because usually just kind of breezing through there and he's like stop for a second and listen and you can hear from you know up top of the building you hear the people talking the clanking right. dishes 
all this stuff. You'd never if you don't stop and look for it, you'd you'd miss it. There's just so much detail in the village of Harambe alone that people just again blow right past. They're going to the safari. They got to get their fast pass. Yeah, there's so much stuff there, uh, and they're kind of taking their cues from Main Street, like those windows above Main Street where you can hear the barber or you can hear the piano teacher. Um, you, you hear those noises uh, throughout the village of Harambe. It's also the hottest spot on earth. It is. It is very hot during the uh, summer months. There's not a lot of shade there. Uh, that is true. But there's, and that's another thing about Animal Kingdom is there is a lot of shade. If you really look for it, you can find it. Um, and as long as you're not over over stressing yourself, drink a lot of water. Those kind of tips. I, you know, Animal Kingdom can be fun for everybody. Well, and I like how they're adding more air conditioning. With the the Lion King Theater, it didn't used to be enclosed. Now right. it is. Same thing with the Nemo Theater. So I mean, they definitely need more air conditioned places. Oh no question. Right. That's a very hot park. Yes, it is. And so, again, that used to be uh, the fort. It's now the hotel. It's, and, of course, Tusker House is, is down below, along with the marketplace inside Tusker House. And across the street, you have the, the port authority. That's where all the customs come in and all your traded goods are going to come in. The port authority building is, uh, is actually the bathroom. Um, so, but it's a well-themed bathroom. And I actually have a story about bathrooms. I think you know where I'm going with this. Yes, go for it. Okay, because I just this, wrote my... This stunned me. When he told me this, I was stunned by this. I, I, made, I made a note uh, here, and I sent it to Holly, and I just put bathrooms, and I figured she would know what it meant. Or bathroom doors, I should say. Animal Kingdom's the only theme park in Disney World that has doors on their bathrooms. And the doors close, and you have to pull them to open them. A lot of them also have deadbolts on the inside. For, and I'm not just talking about the private or handicapped bathrooms. I'm talking about the, the larger bathrooms. The bathroom itself. The door right. to the bathroom itself has a deadbolt on it. Yep. And the reason for this is because of uh, potential dangerous animal escapes. So this is an area of refuge that Disney has built in. There's, there's enough inside closable buildings. So like restaurants, kitchens, bathrooms. There's enough space like that to, to house everybody in the park capacity-wise safely if there is a dangerous animal escape, which there hasn't been ever, and I highly doubt there will be um, because of all the precautions they take. But I, I always, people, you know, it's like, oh, walking in the bathroom, okay, I'll open the door. They don't notice that Magic Kingdom doesn't have doors on their bathrooms, but Animal Kingdom does, and that's because... It's a, it's a safe haven in the event some animal gets out, you can lock yourself in there. Yep. I, I just, I was stunned by that. When he said that there are enough places like that in Animal Kingdom... To house every person in that park. Including cast. Now, you know, it just when you think about that, when you think about having to design that park, just in general, it's got to be, I mean, designing a theme park has got to be a challenge in and right. of itself. But then when you have to think about how do we get every single person in this park into a protected space if, you know, a lion gets loose or a gorilla gets loose, I'm, you know, a dangerous animal gets loose that could hurt them. Th- that for me, that, I, I was stunned by that. Do you remember the astounding statistic that they could enter the Magic Kingdom in like six minutes in case of a natural disaster or a man-made issue? They can clear the Magic oh, Kingdom yeah. and have everybody underground in under six minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it a- was something ridiculous like that. Yeah. I might have that number a little bit off. Right. But I, when I first heard that, I thought, imagine having the foresight to think of something like that. Exactly. There are different evacuation procedures for different types of events at every theme park. Every, every cast member is well-trained on them. Um, and that's why you'll see 
in some of the backstage areas, like the gates that lead to say cast members only, it's not just a small little door. It's like a gigantic gate. That's in the case of that, in case you need a big crowd exiting at, at one time, that's what that's for. Um, there's a, another thing uh, before we get to the safari and some of the animals. I, I, I want to talk about uh, just an interesting little thing. There's a, a restaurant at the edge of the village called Tamu Tamu uh, Refreshments, and that's the, like the fast food area in 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 the safari. I mean the um, Harambe Village, and Tamu Tamu is Swahili for uh or tamu means delicious or sweet in swahili and now if you repeat a word in swahili twice that that means very in english so it's a very delicious refreshments or very according sweet to them refreshments That's, this is what this is what the imagineers are saying and people that speak swahili have they eaten the food <laughs> i don't know um but there's also inside uh, Tamu Tamu refreshments just behind it there's a nice little hidden seating area that i don't think a lot of people know about um you know, I was there the other day taking these photos, and it was crowded. You know, spring break's coming. It's packed, and there was like two people in the seating. Yeah, it's nice, empty. shaded area in the middle of Africa. It's really well hidden. Yeah, it and is There's well also hidden. more seating around back. There's a whole sort of yeah. back area that has walls. and It's in that walkway toward yeah. Asia. Yeah, there's more, there's more stuff over there. Um, and, inside, and inside that... Uh, seating area you'll find these signs and you'll find them all over the place uh, uh one of them says joe roadie mask and beads of course that's a reference to joe roadie the imagineer it was very influential in animal kingdom but they had an entire team of people when they created the park do nothing but design these uh like attraction posters that are plastered against the walls in harambe and asia so you'll see like Harambe wildlife advertisements and and other companies too, like competing safari companies, and, and you can see that they've been like ripped down, and because uh, the Harambe Wildlife Reserve doesn't want them up, or Kilimanjaro safaris, um, I should say. Um, oh, and there's one more thing in the uh, in the um, Harambe village, and it's the only actual baobab tree in Animal Kingdom. Now, we've seen the, the other baobab trees. There's those gigantic trees uh, that look like they're upside-down root systems. Uh, there's one on the safari. There's one right at the entrance to the safari. Well, if you go to the wood carvers, uh, you can find the actual baobab tree. It's, it's a youngin. It's not as big as the other ones, but those are uh, fruit that are hanging down from it. And it takes a it takes a very long time for them to become those big trees. I just I think it's funny that they, we actually do have a real baobab tree. I right. thought the one on the safari was actually brought here from somewhere else, from like South Florida or something. I, I don't know that uh, baobab trees can or, grow that large. And you said Florida. that they take an enormous, I mean, a ridiculous it's, amount of time. Well, to grow. most baobab trees, some of the larger ones, can be thousands of years old. The only problem is <laughs> they can't test to see how old they are because they don't have rings inside them like normal trees do. Um, but that's what they assume is that they're. At least a thousand years old, so uh, they they take a while to grow that. Bit. And that's that's fruit you say that that hangs from. Yeah, it's bit. like it's their seeds. I don't know if it's edible fruit, but that's that's their fruit that seeds the trees. Okay. Yeah, um, so that's cool. Nice little fact you can point out to your friends like that. Hey, that's the real baobab tree. Um, but then we go into the safari, and there's a whole host of animals there. I'm not going to get into the theming of the safari because apparently that keeps changing uh you know symbol one's not there anymore um but thank you god (laughs) 
That ridiculous storyline. Well, I, I was there opening week. Yeah. I went the week did, uh, Animal Kingdom opened. And the story was, I mean, the lions were feeding out of a giraffe. Mm-hmm. There was a giraffe carcass, and the lion food was inside, so it looked like they were eating the giraffe. It was horrifying and disgusting. Oh, it was. Yeah. I don't remember that. It was, and wow. they, people like shrieked and screamed and cried. And because they, they had just seen the giraffe earlier, not the giraffe. I'm sorry, a zebra. I apologize. Okay. It was a zebra, a zebra, a zebra. carcass. Carcass. Yeah. And but that's where the lion food was in the middle. I mean, I imagine it was plexiglass or something like right. that. But that was the whole story. The lions had finally caught the zebra, and they thought, okay, that's a little too much realism. Yeah. Yeah, now they just feed them pellets and leaves and stuff like that. Well, they did that anyway, but they don't hide it <laughs> inside of a zebra carcass. Well, and the conservation message with the safari in particular is about poaching, obviously. And at the very beginning, they did actually have a killed elephant at the end after you put, mm-hmm. passed the poachers. Right, camp. So, right. Um, that upset a lot of that, people. Yeah, yeah, that, that did upset. So then, you know, then they put the baby elephant, like, oh, yay, we're saving the baby elephant instead of baby elephant's mommy died. So. Mm. So you want to talk a little bit about uh, the animal programs there in the safari and Pangani Forest uh, in Africa. Just kind of talk with us about how they take care of those animals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Can you go back just one second? Sure. Okay. One of our listeners has said the baobab fruit has three times as much vitamin C as an orange, 50% more calcium than spinach, and it's a plentiful source of antioxidants. It is edible then. Well, there you go. There you go. Disney's that answers name, that. Baobab freak. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's talk about the animals. Uh, on the yeah, the, the safari itself holds over 300 animals. So, um, And the majority of the species on the safari you won't be able to see in other parts of, of Animal Kingdom. Right. Which I think is kind of disappointing in some cases because what if you have somebody that's not able to go on the safari? They're just not going to be able to see those animals. The elephants are my personal favorite. Mm. And, you know, if I wasn't able to go on the safari and see the elephants, you wouldn't be able to see the elephants. So. Yeah. There, there are... There are some crossover between the safari and Pangani and some of the other uh, exhibits, but most of the safari animals, I mean, this is this attraction is designed to get you and see these animals. And uh, I know they do, they do a lot of different things with the animals, how they separate the animals, how they feed the animals. Yeah, absolutely. So the safari is uh, separated into several different sections. So when you first start on the safari, you're actually in an area called the Aturi Forest. And there you're going to find more of the forest species. Um, Also, the black black rhino is going to be there as well. Um, Then you're going to go into, oh, there's the okapi. Um, The okapi is actually related to the giraffe, like I think everybody on on the safari has said. But um, the okapi only gets to about six feet tall, whereas the giraffe gets to about 20 ish feet tall so definitely a distant relative you can see the head shape is the same but it's much much shorter neck um you know and obviously a different coat pattern also the okapi lives in the forest in the rainforest so it's it's um coat is really oily and um if you ever had the opportunity to feel an okapi it's like really oily so um that's how the rain can kind of go right off of its coat so the okapi is one of my favorite you'll see them actually on um the safari on the right and then if you go on pancani they're on the left so that's actually the same exhibit oh is it really i didn't realize that well it is but it's not (laughs) yeah Yeah. they're two separate areas but they're back to back yeah so they they share it they share it exactly 
Um, so then uh, you're going to go into the um, hippo area. Right. Yep. So the hippo is actually another species that you're going to be able to see. Actually, um, when you're on the safari, the area on the right is actually the underwater viewing pool if you're on Pangani. So mm-hmm. um, that I can't speak for it now, but that used to have the male hippos there, and then the females were actually on the right. So the bigger the bigger group is the female hippos. And then you're going to um, cross over the Nile crocodiles, which are real, even though sometimes they're not moving. They're definitely real, so watch your kids. Do not stand up. I have seen yeah. people stand up in that area and i'm just like seriously (laughs) no um and then you're going to go into the main area of the savanna which um is the west savanna uh that's actually a free roaming savanna so you may see different animals at different times they're always going to be out there um but you know animals do like to hide so that's actually one of the um reasons you might see trucks out there is to encourage the animals to go to different visible places on the savanna they'll put out um, what they call enrichment so different food items things like that into places to encourage the animals to you know get up and walk around so i know a lot of people have said you want to go on safari first thing in the morning because that's when all the animals are out that's true, but they, you know, they do roam around quite a bit throughout the day, so it's they not. Do. They're looking for treats. Yeah, it's not like all is lost if you don't get there first thing in the morning. So. Very cool, and um, so we're going to talk about Pangani next a little bit. Sure, or? we could. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more to add, I, I guess, but. Um, you know, Pangani, just an interesting note as far as theming is concerned. Pangani is the theming of that is, uh, wildlife. Um, research. So uh, an interesting thing is that the, the people that work on the Pangani Forest Exploration Trail, the people that actually work the attraction side, so that they don't necessarily have animal training, they wear the same costume as the, uh, as the cast members that do have animal training. And I know that there's kind of like, they don't like it, the animal care people don't like it, but that's what it's themed to be, is that um, these people are animal researchers, so they share the same costume. I always thought that was interesting. I don't know if that ever confused you when you were. It did, there. yeah. Actually, when I first got there, because that's that's what I wanted to do. My major was zoology. I wanted to work with animals. I went up to talk to somebody like, "Oh, how do you get into this field?" And they said that they were kind. They I'm, weren't, a, I'm a retiree yeah. living in Winter Garden. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, this is one of my favorite places, though, in Animal Kingdom. Pangani. Yeah, for the gorillas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the gorillas are are wonderful. They're gonna. They, there are two groups of gorillas. The first ones that you're gonna encounter behind the glass are the family group. Um, they actually are a breeding group, as far as I know. I know they right. have, yeah, they have had offspring before. And then after you go past the family group, they're still going to be on your right hand side. And then the bachelor group, the adult males, are going to be on the left. And that's the smell. That's, I was just oh going to say gosh. the smell. Yeah, I actually worked back in conservation station in the yeah. wildlife tracking center, which is right next to the veterinary treatment center. They do bring the gorillas back there, and you you knew immediately when you came in that day that there was a gorilla in the room. Yeah, it just kind of smells oh, like a was, body odor. It's it's really bad. It's now, more potent. Is is Animal Kingdom su- su- uh, self sufficient for all new animals, or do they still have to bring in new animals? Is it constantly animals well, procreating? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's part of it. Um, but since they're part of the AZ- AZA, they participate in the species survival plan, so they do work with other zoos in you know moving around animals. So you know they do own their animals but you know they participate in so new animals come in they yeah what's the process for acclimating them do you put them in a bag in water and let them 
<laughs> it depends on the yeah. It depends on the species. Um, for the safari, if you ever see those canvas fences up, that means that a new animal has been introduced. And they don't want the safari vehicle to frighten them. Is that why they have that? Yeah, right? yeah. Because you know it's it's a really big area. They don't know the boundaries of the area, so they might put them in front of like the moats or or okay. something like that. Because so one of the th- things that happened with this park was they built the safari first. They actually built the safari, put animals in there, and then they built the rest of the park around it. So the animals would get used to noises and get used to things going around. I imagine a new animal, a new gorilla, would get spooked really easily. When, yeah. a problem. when Animal Kingdom first opened, they had a problem with losing some of the animals. And people were very concerned. They seemed to have corrected that. Yeah. You don't remember, hear that? No, you don't hear that anymore. They had a, there was a problem with, um, I forget what it was, antifreeze? There was something coming out of the vehicles oh. that the animals didn't recognize and that was a problem didn't realize that but it was this was very very early on right and but they seem to have corrected all of that and disney's really good at that so the animals are safe now yeah yeah i i could i could attest to that (laughs) right this was i think this was something nobody saw coming you know you put a vehicle out in the middle of a the animal habitat and things come out of cars so right okay are there any more animals on pangani i think there's a few yeah, well, there's yeah, there's a lot of animals on Pangani, but I mean, are there any more animals on the Pangani Forest Trail? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, there you're going to see the naked mole rats, um, which are inside the building right before you get to the. I have their aviary. album. Mm, they kind of skeeve me out. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they kind of look like naked rats. So you know, but they're they're really cool. Um, they're blind because they live underground. So um, you know, they go solely by smell, and they have a little tunnel system. So those are kind of fun to watch. It's a great watch place if if your kids if you have kids that do like insects that's a great place to go to is uh, both Rafiki's Plan and Watch and uh, Pangani Forest uh, Exploration Trail some cool insects there if, if your kids are into that mm-hmm. yeah yeah they also have the meerkats um, right. which are a lot of fun uh, to, to watch and oh, my favorite thing on Pangani is uh, at the meerkat exhibit they have the skull of a meerkat and the skull of a warthog oh, yeah. right next to each other so you can kind of see what uh, Timon and that always kind of freaks me out though yeah, and like so when you see okay, the skull here's here's the dead animal and here's his brother. And there's there there's the live one yeah it's, it's a little creepy I don't think that they're real skulls yeah, I don't I, I think that probably. they're yeah just Hakuna Matata <laughs> just like in Lion King <laughs> don't do it okay Okay, so anyway, I want to move on to uh, Conservation Station. This is this is where I have a lot of my cool, juicy stuff. I love this. I love this spot. Um, I used to work again at the trains uh, for to take you out to Rafiki's Planet Watch slash Conservation Station. Um, <clears throat> well, you want to talk about Overlooked Animal Kingdom? I mean, right. The, the biggest problem that Rafiki's Planet Watch and Conservation Station has... the word conservation in the name. Well, <laughs> beyond that... Which is like kryptonite that, to people. Beyond that is the fact that the only way to get there is via train. Trains that run supposedly reliably every five minutes, but they're, you know, every now and then trains do break down and they're only running one of the trains and... You kind of get stuck out there, and you can wait 15 or 20 minutes to get to Rafiki's Planet Watch and then come back, and everybody kind of gets aggravated. You know, people want a walking trail out there. I think, Absolutely. I think if it had more foot traffic, it, it would not be so overlooked. Because I do feel like 
Conservation Station is the heart of Animal Kingdom. It's what Animal Kingdom is all about. It's true. There's a lot of cool stuff back there. And I think one of the problems with the train, especially like on the way back, like people yeah. will wait for something in order to experience an attraction, but they've already experienced it. And just to get back to the park, you have to wait. And we've yeah. had a lot of disgruntled. I have, a, con- I have a confession. Yeah. I've never been never. back there. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. Because you have to take the train. I we went out there once. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't me. I went out there once. Well, just an interesting oh, yeah, and you note. came back and said it smelled like new paint. <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. Just an interesting note on the trains. They're replicas of uh, British trains that would have existed in Africa. They're actually built by one of the companies that, uh, uh, British companies that built trains uh, in Africa in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And these are diesel trains, and they run on a three-fourths uh, size track compared to some of the larger tracks we have here in the United States. For those train buffs listening and watching, they might be interested in that. Um, as soon as you get on the train, the train station is themed to Harambe. It's all African. As soon as that train starts moving, theming goes away. You're now focused on conservation. You're now focused on animal care. You're going to Rafiki's Planet watching Conservation Station. We have a question. Are the sure. trains ECV accessible? Yes, they are. Uh, now, here's the thing. And you asked me this question. I'm going to give you the details on this. Here's the thing. You might have to wait for another train to go by, but they are ECV and wheelchairs. There are trains that are accessible. Both trains are accessible. They can accommodate three full wheelchairs for the person to continue sitting in the wheelchair at a time on each train. If you want to fold your wheelchair up and transfer, you can do that as well. Um, But if you do not or cannot get out of your wheelchair, there may be three people ahead of you and you might have to wait for the next train. Um, So it could take you 10 minutes to get over there. The same coming back. Thanks. You're welcome. Also, for, for the mothers out there and the fathers out there that have young kids, strollers are allowed on the train? Strollers are allowed on the train. You do have to fold your stroller. Um, I usually recommend that you just leave your stroller at the stroller parking before Because, you yeah, the they're train. not allowed in the conservation station them- <laughs> itself, so you're really not going to use you're it You're just using really? it. Really? You can't have strollers back there? You can't have them in the building. So you're uh, using it's, them. It's, it's just too crowded. You're yeah. using them on that small walkway between the train station and the conservation it's building. It. It's not worth it. Yeah, leave your leave strollers. your stroller. Um, Good tip, actually. It is. It is. Uh, the people that work there might hate me for saying that because they have to organize that stroller parking, but that's okay. It's a helpful hint for the for the guests. Um, on the train ride, you're going to see a couple animal exhibits. These are actual backstage um, housing for the animals. This is where they come at night when they're on the safari during the day. They call them uh, back at night, and these are their real houses. We have a picture right now of the white rhino, one of the white rhino areas. So they have uh, an area that they can roam around that's a little more open. Then they also have individual uh, uh, pens that they go into at night. Um, so maybe you want to yeah, talk almost a all about of that. the yeah, almost all of the animals on the safari are taken into the backstage housing at night, and the main reason for that is to just check them out, make sure they're they're doing all right, make sure that they're eating okay, um, because when they're out on the savanna, you can't really monitor every animal's diet, some things like that. But um, and also. Uh, the animals do a lot of destruction out on the savanna, yeah. so you know they they have a lot of rehab work to do out there at night. So um, almost all the animals are taken in, and they each have a different audio cue, and they'll come in at night. Um, like what kind of audio cue? Like each one will be different, like a triangle or like hitting a bar. Um, but they're all trained has, for this. They're all yeah. trained. They're all trained. It's, yeah. You know they re- they I mean, know that it's about time to eat. Exactly. When they, hear that. They, they know what time of day it is. They they pretty much know that they're going to come in anyway. Um, you know, but they they do respond to the audio cue after the after last uh, vehicles done on the safari. I have a question. What is there a 
some protocol in place if we're going to have a storm. Central Florida is prone to hurricanes, and we just had a tornado watch recently. Is there some protocol for the animals? Uh, Put them in the bathrooms. I'm sure there is. They, they might actually, like, if it was if there was a tornado warning in the middle of the day, a hurricane warning. I mean, if there's a hurricane approaching, I'm sure that they would keep the animals inside the barns. In the enclosure. You know, there are barns. I mean, there are inside. Oh, yes, places. absolutely. You can yeah. see one right there in that photo. Yes, it's the, a the, covered. Uh, cement walled. So, I mean, <laughs> right. seriously, that's, you know. Very, yeah, very it's not going animal, anywhere. Right? If, it, if it can withstand a white rhino, it can withstand a hurricane. Exactly. Yeah. I, the safest place to be, I would think, is the elephant barn because if right. it can, you know, hold an elephant, it's gonna, you know. Um, some of the uh, some of the animals also, if you if you're seeing them on the backstage uh, train ride, that means that there's another group out on the safari right now, and this group, like like she said, uh, there's different groups of animals. So uh, with the white rhinos, I know there's there's one. Uh, there's two different groups and one is kind of a troublemaker and they have to separate him sometimes um, so you'll see him off to him so I, I rode that train a million times a day and I would always I, I learned the behavior of white rhinos better than I could possibly want to or care to um, but you would always see this one white rhino all sad because he's a troublemaker and he doesn't get along with the others well you said he thought he was the alpha male he thought he was the alpha male but indeed he wasn't the alpha male so he had to be set aside. Well, and a lot of times they're separated for breeding purposes. Right. Like if they're related, they're obviously not going to put them out together, you know, that, that sort of thing. So yeah. um, he might have been sad about that. He might have been sad about, yeah, not breeding. Um, <laughs> with his sister. With his sister. <laughs> no, no, comment, no comment there. It yeah. is Central Florida after all. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, I want to get past uh, these enclosures. This is just a nice little sneak peek so you can see the backstage areas where they keep the animals. Once we get actually out to Rafiki's Planet Watch, you'll notice that there is a, uh, a, a big mural outside of uh, Rafiki's Planet Watch. And, and all of these animals that are on the mural, just a little tidbit, they've either been on the endangered species list or they're currently on the endangered species list. Just a reminder, a nice big reminder of what Rafiki's Planet Watch is all about. Um, and as you go into the building, uh, there's a, a room that you first go into, and uh, it has all the, like a mural, like another little mural of all these animals. Inside that room, there's over a hundred hidden Mickey's for people who are looking for hidden Mickey's. Now, it's not like your typical hidden Mickey where you know three circles of something have been arranged; it's painted into it. Um, but there's over a hundred on that mural itself. Um, and uh, I also wanted to mention the benches throughout the park. The park benches throughout Disney's Animal Kingdom are made out of recycled plastic. And uh, the, the spiel we do, I, I'm sure that this, there's some truth to this. The spiel that we would always do is that the uh, benches are made from over 2,000 recycled milk jugs. Uh, as they you know, recycle the plastic and create the, the, the benches there. It's pretty cool. They get hot in the summer. Do they? They yeah. smell like spoiled milk. <laughs> and so as we go into the building, uh, a conservation station, and I haven't decided, is, is that building called Conservation Station or is it called Rafiki's Planet Watch? I think Rafiki's Planet Watch is the whole area the whole and area. Conservation Station is the building. The building itself. I- I'm pretty sure. Okay, there was always confusion there, but um, not that it really matters. <laughs> uh, there is an actual operating room inside Rafiki's pl- uh, Sorry. Conservation Station. Didn't Bob get to watch them operate on a cheater? On the cheaters. Yep. He operated yeah. on the cheaters there. Well, when I went there the other day, they were doing some dental work on a, on a lion. Uh, I couldn't get close enough to get a good photo because everybody was 
crowd around. People will not move. But they do have those television screens. You can see what they're doing. They were crowded by different uh, doctors and dentists. And I'm sure there was the animal keepers were in there as well. Um, but this is just one of the rooms. This is a show room. It's show ready for the guests to see. There's a whole campus behind Rafiki's Planet Watch that no one sees. And I, I told Pete the other day, it, it reminds me of a college campus or, or a hospital campus. It, it's huge and sprawling. There's the nutrition center. There's the, uh, the um, veterinary center. A whole bunch of different buildings back there. Uh, and the animal programs office is back there as well. Holly, do you ever do any of the on-stage stuff in that area? Yeah, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The nutrition center, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I, was the, I get to work in the fishbowl. So we yeah. did our lab work right, right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, people would tap on the glass all the time. Um, but where you saw the, the lion there, I was actually right to the right if you looked in the window to the Oh, right. yeah. It's the, it's the uh, lab that... Is it real or is it not real? It is totally real. It is real. It, okay. is, it, it, it is. It is. It okay. is. It is totally real. When they tapped, real. did you turn around and wave? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> if it was, you know. And are you actually feeding animals there or are you doing other experiments? Well, this, this, is a different, this is a different room. This is a branch of the nutrition center where they're bringing out and showing. Uh, she was talking about the research facility. This is the nutrition center. They have the pellets for the different types of animals. And, again, this is just one room that showcases a nutrition center there's a huge warehouse well talk about that because there yeah. was some interesting stuff about about this nutrition center and how things are done the there. nutrition center is huge uh i mean first of all there's a whole bank there's this one full wall of the building is nothing but refrigerators and freezers that store all of the meats and produce that is shipped in almost every day it's a huge amount of food there's two full dedicated teams uh, of interns and a full-time staff that do nothing but prepare food for the animals and each individual animal has a different diet and not and not each species you're talking each animal has a, a specific there's, diet there's log books that say animal species number one animal b has this amount of carrots and the other one doesn't and it's all barcoded and they scan and they fill the tupperwares they send them off to the exhibits and that's lunch and then they got to do it all over again for dinner it's it's quite a process are the animals just t- tagged or are they radio tagged i mean how do they I don't know how they identify the actual animals themselves. But this one's I, Bob. This one's Bill. I was going to say, do they do they have names? I don't, I'm assuming they would have chips like you know your dogs and cats would. Yeah, that's what I, I would I think. Mean, yeah. I know that the smaller ones do, especially that don't have like markings and things like right. that. Um, but yeah, the nutrition center is is really cool. I mean, it's a gigantic warehouse. Another room inside of it, next to the refrigerators and the food prep area, uh, where they have the meats and produce. There's a another giant warehouse that has nothing but grain and hay. And they actually, Disney's Animal Kingdom, about half and half of these pellets are uh, store-bought, and the other half they actually make in-house. They're grown in the land. Yeah. I've heard that speech. Yeah, they're grown in the, they're grown in the land. No, they actually make the pellets themselves. Uh, but I was stunned to, to find out that meals are prepared for individual animals yep. based on their specific... Certain needs. animals have different needs, different diseases, different conditions. Is this part of Absolutely. what you were doing uh, in terms of checking them to see like what their, their diet should be? And No, I never worked on the diet side. That was on the other side of the building. So what I would do is, is look at the animal's samples and measure hormone levels. So okay. in, in some cases, yeah, we could tell if an animal was healthy based on hormone levels. If they weren't cycling, you know, what's going on? Is there something that we could do to get that animal? Don't um, you also find that animals, you've had multiple animals in the house, they have different Tastes. Right. They yeah. have 
you know, there's dog foods dogs like, and there's dog foods dogs don't. You know. Well, I, I, I would imagine this is more of, uh, you know, you know, a, a, a particular species probably does well with certain types of food, but then if there are certain issues with one particular animal, they're adjusting the diet. Exactly. Right. Well, even size. I mean, you think you have, you know, younger animals have to have a certain diet teenage animals right. that sort of thing i mean all the way through their life cycle and and just like you would have change. to just like you would have to change your food with your dog you have to do it a little bit at a time they have to do that kind right. of thing right. and each right. is a i mean if you're going to even people who take house pets if you're going to accept the responsibility of the house pet you kind of have to know what you're doing right well disney knows what they do in there yeah, that's yeah, what that, i meant it's that just was, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it's kind of like exactly what I'm saying. You know, when you're going to accept responsibility for that animal, you have to treat it in the best way for that animal. So it's on a bigger scale. Now, my understanding is that the level of care and attention that Disney gives these animals exceeds pretty much any other place absolutely I in mean, the country that, that that does this for one thing they have the funding for it you know they exactly because a lot of zoos it's a wealthy zoo well yeah <laughs> it is it is so they, they do have the funding for it so you know that we can do all those animal behavior studies that other zoos might not have funding for um or you know d- diet nutrition studies things the like other that. thing is and i don't mean to make light of other zoos but if disney had an animal issue it would be the biggest news of the day. Right, you know, right, it would true. make the news cycle. We joke about in Orlando, Disney's the 400-pound gorilla. Something goes on at Disney, it's all over the news. Yeah. So right. I imagine if there was an animal issue, Disney has Disney has a big shoe to fill, I guess. Yeah. Right. That's true. Now, I want to kind of wrap up with uh, uh, affection section, which Pete thinks is a hilarious name for a petting zoo. Disney doesn't... Well, that's really- not what Pete used to call it. <laughs> Uh, There's a bar in Orlando called that, isn't there? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Shut up. (laughs) Along with their theming, even though Rafiki's Planet Watch isn't necessarily themed like the rest of the park, uh, you know, they don't want to just call this a petting zoo. It's affection section. And this is where you're going to see some of the domesticated animals. (laughs) This is where you're going to see some of the domesticated. I'm just going to keep going, right? Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, but these aren't just normal domesticated animals. They're different types of species. Yeah, they're actually what they what they refer to as rare domestic species. So they're not n- endangered per se, but they're rare domestic species. So I've listed some of them. You see the Nubian goats, the Katahdin sheep, oh. and Florida native sheep. And the goats and sheep are going to be like in areas where you can go right up and you know and, yeah, they just and, and pet them. They just wander around and um, they have brushes that the little kids can take and, and brush them. And then behind those yellow railings um, in the back of, of this particular picture that's on the screen right now are the animals that you can touch if they get close enough, but they're also you know back so that they don't hurt anybody. And that's um, the, the pigs. Ca- the, the, uh, yeah, the Cooney Cooney pigs. Aww. Yeah, they're they're super cute. Um, if they're close enough, you can you can touch them, and uh, they have a cow, and I think they used to have a donkey. Yeah, there's a donkey. In have, there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there he is. Yeah, he's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Our manger scene is complete. Yeah. <laughs> we have a but donkey. 
I just I like that we're we're wrapping up our first part of Overlooked Animal Kingdom with Conservation Station and Affection Section because I do feel like it is the most overlooked oh, no question. portion of that park. And I think you can learn a lot if you ask the right questions, if you go in with the mindset of wanting to learn something and, and, and not just – if you're not just looking for the thrill rides that day and you want to learn a little bit more not only about the animals but about the history of the theme park and how they take care of their animals, I think it's a just – a, a wonderful thing to do. Absolutely, is, and don't be afraid to ask questions because the the cast that work there are very passionate about what they do and, and yeah. about the animals. So if you find somebody, ask. Now you were also saying that they people could ask if a procedure was going on. Like you know, we have a picture of oh, yeah. uh, them working on a a lion. A lion getting um, yeah. What yeah. happens is it's usually. Most days it's two procedures in the morning, uh, but you do you can ask before you even get on the train so you don't disappoint yourself. Just ask the cast member at the train station, are there procedures? And they'll find out for you. Um, but there's usually two in the morning. The park typically opens around 9 o'clock, so you'll have them at either 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, or 11 o'clock is when you're going to. Yeah, they won't release the schedule the day, a couple days ahead of time. I've had people ask that because yeah. just in case an animal doesn't cooperate or something gets you know prioritized ahead of it. So they won't let you know what they're doing the next couple of days, but that morning. Yeah, the day you know. of is when you'll find out. People actually ask about animal surgery? They do. Oh, yeah. There, there yeah. Are, when I worked at the trains, there was regulars, people that I knew on Thursday. This woman's coming here because she's going to come see the surgeries. I guess she was a local. She'd always come to see the animal surgeries. People love it. Huh. Yeah. Most people who go to these parks, obviously, like you talked about it, go right for the big rides. Yeah. They're going right for the big thrill rides and see the big stuff. What does Disney do to make this other stuff become better known? Because you said a lot of stuff I didn't know. Yeah. Right. That's a ton of stuff I didn't know. What I mean, it's it's obviously their responsibility to tell people this is there. What can they do? I think what they could do is just have more cast members ready and willing to answer questions. I I don't know how... I mean, they can't just put up a placard well, that tells the story of, the, of Animal Kingdom. One of the things I said to you was that why aren't they doing tours yeah. around the park like they do at other parks that, you know, talk about this stuff, take us to these places, show us this stuff. Uh, you know... And did they have a tour, Wild by Design? Yeah. They have they had a tour, they have a yeah. tour that, that does the backstage of the animal care stuff, but there's no tour that really focuses on the theming, like some of the stuff They're I... kind of taking... Yeah, I mean, so much of the stuff that, that he told me as we walked around that park, you know, was not back... Nothing was backstage. Everything was on stage. But I'm like, okay, why aren't... Why aren't they trumpeting this? This makes this park so much more interesting. Did you ever read the plaque outside of Pleasure Island? It's like where Pleasure Island and Downtown Disney meet. And they explain to you the story of how Pleasure Island came to be and <laughs> why there was a fireworks factory there at the time. And if you read that plaque, you just stood there slack-jawed and thought... It's a lot of backstory. It's a lot of backstory that you never knew right. until you read the sign. Well, even beyond the backstory, just the detail in the theming. That, you know, when you talk about where the, uh, the fortress used to be and how yeah. they have the, you know, the remnants of the bricks and the pavement. And um, there are when we get over to Asia in that area, there are other things you see, little details that very easy to overlook that, you know. They need like a um, uh, keys to the kingdom. A tour. keys to the kingdom. Right. Exactly. Some kind of tour like on stage tour like that, I think would just make the park so much more interesting if you're not 
a zoo person. I know that you know people at Animal Kingdom get their back up when you use yeah. the Z word, but right. you know, for, for all intents and purposes, it's a really, really, really good zoo. Uh, if you're not a zoo person, if you're not a nature person, if you're not an animal person in that regard, you know, this is not going to appeal to you. But when you start bringing in elements like that, when you start talking about the details of the theming and and the backstory. It, it just gives it a whole different, yeah. a whole different feel and a whole different life. That is what I found interesting, and that gave me a new appreciation for the park. It gave me appreciation for the, the depth and detail that was put into it. And as you know, we'll get into in the second part of this. We'll get into some of the other stuff. But at the end of it, I was saying to myself, I, I don't think there's another Disney theme park that had this much detail Do go think, into it. You think some of it is because. Something like the Magic Kingdom is so scrutinized and so written about. I think so too. And there's so many people who write about every little detail. I don't think there's anything like this for the Animal Kingdom out there. No, there's not. I, think, I there's- think there is the level of detail. As John said, I just think it's been well, much more discussed. I think the fact that we're finding this out makes it seem like. Why didn't we? Why is Yeah. Why do we know about this? There are there, people, maybe it sounds like there's more because we didn't know it. Could be. Could yeah, be. Possibly. But. Uh, all right. Well, thank you both very much. Thank you, Dustin and Holly, for this. As I said, this is the first part of a two-part series. We're not sure exactly when part two is, but it'll be in the next yeah, we'll figure it out. few weeks. But uh, that will do it for this segment. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with you again next time with another edition of the Diz Unplugged. Thanks for being with us, everyone. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes. And yes, it's not a Mac in front of me.